You're listening to The Leadership Podcast with Pastor Jürgen Matesius, lead pastor of C3 Church in San Diego. Hey everybody out there in Leadership Podcast land, we've got an unbelievable treat for you today. Uh, this is Pastor Jürgen Matesius, C3 San Diego. Um, this weekend I was away, I was celebrating the 10th anniversary of Dear Friends, Pastor Troy and Penny Maxwell in Charlotte, North Carolina, as they were uh, celebrating 10 years over there, doing a great job over there. But at the same time, uh, we had the privilege of having, uh, honestly, one of the great, great kingdom powerhouse couples on the planet, uh, Pastor Peter and Bev Mortlock from New Zealand, who really are uh, just incredible apostolic leaders, uh, operate in a dimension of the prophetic we haven't seen in our church, but at the same time, marry not just powerful, super uh, Holy Ghost, supernatural spirituality, but they marry it with a grounded, brilliant wisdom, uh, leadership, and excellence. And so they're combinations that you that you really struggle to find these days. So I'm here with Pastor Peter. Pastor Peter, uh, welcome. I know that you've been on an eight-week uh, trek <laughs> through America. Have you had a good time? Yes, we have. You and we have. We've uh, celebrated 30 years of ministry at wow. City Impact Church. So uh, for to celebrate 30 years, we pioneered the church 30 years ago. And to celebrate that, I said to Bev, let's take eight weeks and ride through America on our Harley Davidson. So we shipped one over and we've been literally all over the country, 13, over 13 and a half thousand miles, 17 and a half thousand Ks and gone from one end to the other and rode back and forth and preached along the way. It's been awesome. Well, I mean, just amazing. You look fantastic. You always Thank look you. fantastic. And I'm going to, I'm going to uh, ask you a few questions sure. uh, and they're going to be kind of fairly random. I want to ask you one that I've probably talked to you a few times about about something you said just about a little little cappuccino but it's made such a revolution in my life personally in my marriage and then through our church because that's kind of stuck but um uh peter i understand that you guys bought a um what was used to be a big fleet lease building on the south shore you guys were on the north shore you crossed over to the south crossed over the uh, the jordan of uh, auckland new zealand you bought a building it was a really prominent building and then I was blown away in just such a short time you you took what was a, a building used for commercial purposes mm. and you transformed it in, into a church. How did you do that? Right. Well, it doesn't happen without a great team of people and, and uh, God has raised up and really blessed uh, City Impact Church with some awesome, awesome laborers. Uh, Jesus said the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. And to pray for laborers, we need to pray for uh, good people. And um, as you know, we're on the North Shore. But Auckland's a little bit like Sydney with the Harbour Bridge, North yep, Shore yep. and South. And uh, we've been on the North Shore for 30 years. And we planted this church, as you say, on the South Side. And Auckland has only got one motorway, really, uh, yeah. one main motorway yeah. to speak of, not like yeah. San Diego. Yeah. And so when you're on the motorway, you are highly prominent. No yeah. two ways about that. Yeah. Our facility on the North Shore is second to none. That's right. It's an amazing facility. God has been uh, so uh, so gracious and blessed us abundantly. It's mm. the, by far the best uh, church facility in New Zealand, uh, head and shoulders above everything else. And so it was, that was really a training ground for the South. From the point of view, we actually built that North Shore complex ourselves with voluntary labor, wow. which, uh, you know, when you say it in a sentence, doesn't yeah. really do it justice. But we're talking a state-of-the-art 2,200-seater 2, 
right, we dug the holes, we tied the steel, we poured the concrete. We actually poured over uh, 600 concrete car parks. The list goes on of what we did and how God blessed it. It was a, uh, it was a miracle. In fact, uh, an elder of church, Sid Jones, who I give him the credit for, it wouldn't have happened without him, came to me and said, Peter, we can build this ourselves. I was going to hire contractors like everybody. And I said, my words to him were, no, we can't. Wow. Talk about a man of faith. Wow. I said, no, we can't. Yeah. I've been as a pastor yeah, to sure. too many working bees. Yeah. Yeah. I'm the kind of person, I only know one way to lead, and that is by example. Very good. I never ask anybody to do anything I won't do myself. Very good. So I've been to so many working bees mm. and being the last man there, last man standing, putting away after everybody, putting away their shovels, putting the lids on the paint. And I thought, this will kill me. I'd already been through three other building programs. Yes. Yeah. My first 900-seater that... Um, We've extended out and extended out and extended out. And so I said, no, we can't. He came back to me and said, we can build this ourselves. I said, no, we can't. He came back to me third time. And I and I knew that he had faith for it. Wow. And of course, you know, those around you will either make or break you. Yeah. You're only as good as the people who are around you. Yeah. And so I could see he had faith. And so I got on board with him, really. And I went home to my wife, my darling, and uh, some over 40-odd years now. And Praise I said God. to her, I said, well done. Bev, we can get the building, but it's going to cost me every Saturday. Because I could not ask the people to show up if I wasn't prepared to do it. And uh, so enough to say, I became the rubbish collector. What I did, I said to Sid, I said, I'm... Look, I don't want to make the decisions on the job because I know what that's like. Where does this, where does this uh, light fitting go? Where does this? How does this door swing? Um, you know, you just get there's so many questions, and I'm I'm pastoring a you know yeah, large healthy yeah, church, yeah. coming up with messages, looking yeah, after people. Yeah, yeah, I mean these things can kill pastors, that's, and so that's right. I didn't Great want to um, carry the responsibility of that. So I said I will just come down and pick up the rubbish. Wow. Now I've worked on wow. many building sites as a before I was pastoring when I was a single person and they're very messy places yes. but if you can get your work environment clean yeah. a little bit like the church yeah. it helps everybody do their job wow. better wow. and so literally for it took us 20 months for 20 months every said I went down walked around with clean sacks uh, and I filled up I think they worked it out something like two and a half thousand clean sacks Goodness filled with rubbish you know I'm doing about people's leftover coffee cups and uh, you know takeaway cups and, and uh, all the jib I swept up every room we're talking cafe areas we're talking dance studios we're talking gym areas we're talking uh, let alone the sanctuary and the auditorium office areas uh, all those years I personally swept and cleaned and and uh, cleaned up every every week after everybody else and so that was kind of my role which I enjoyed doing because it I mean, I got to walk around the whole site all the, yeah. every Saturday, talk with people, encourage them. And I think they enjoyed and appreciated me being there, which was great. And um, so 20 months, uh, they say that uh, contractors couldn't have done it any quicker. For people who come, they are amazed at how we did it. I'm amazed at how we did it. I still yeah. walk around with tears in my eyes. Yeah. Uh, people, pastors say, well, what, what didn't you do? <laughs> yeah. Um, 99% of what you see and didn't see, we actually did. Yeah. Um, absolutely incredible. So that was a kind of the, uh, getting back to your question, that was a kind of the training ground 
to turn this car park showroom into a functioning church in three weeks Goodness because we gracious. bought the building it was million, multi-million dollars and of course even financially we couldn't just sit on a mortgage and, and yeah. build. so we had three weeks it took us four weeks to turn it around and so we are talking a fully functioning church with not only lighting and stage children's church cafe the whole thing and uh, our volunteers came out every night of the week for four weeks we had just massive crews and uh, it's all on DVDs on our website to wow. show people just what, how what is the know. website that people can go to Peter cityimpactchurch.com cityimpactchurch.com uh, cityimpactchurch.com they can find us that is fantastic now just on that Peter one, one of one of the great strengths that I've observed in you Peter as as uh, you know as kind of like someone who's been mentored from a distance just watching you is that you're an incredibly strong leader an incredibly capable leader a great minister a great preacher and yet one thing that I've seen is there's a bigness in you that I that I see that seems to be lacking in the body of Christ where you have a, an elder in your church who comes up and says, Peter, we can build this ourselves. You say, no, no, we can't because you know the pain, you know the price and the stress and everything associated. He comes to you three times and yet, you know, most guys, most guys wouldn't, you know, pass the baton, so to speak, wouldn't give the guy the opportunity to lead. And yet you're so secure that you'll let another man lead, let another man kind of, you know, take on an apostolic spearhead to, to build this thing while you're walking around with, with Hessian sacks. What, what is it? What message could you send out there to, to guys who feel like they've got to do everything, otherwise they're not a leader? You know, how, how, do, how do you overcome like an insecurity? Because most people think that if they're not leading that people lose respect or they've got to be seen up the front. Well, you're very, very gracious in your words. Let me first say that. Um, you know, I, I just thank God for my journey. Um, I think, to be honest, I often say I'm just a kid from Taranaki having a go for God. And, and I'm not being over humble with that. I'm not trying to be something that I'm not. Um, God has just been very gracious. He's added a wonderful wife to my life, wonderful sons who are both serving God with us in my life, daughter-in-laws, and wonderful people, um, elders who have been with us for 30-odd years, and uh, just just great people. And um, so also having great relationships in the body of Christ uh, with people that we've talked about and know. Um, and, and I think that um, being in New Zealand, you do have your feet on the ground. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, coming from a small nation, a lot of people can be you can be small-minded. And getting out of New Zealand into my good friends in Australia, who we all know, yeah. and uh, and further afield helps me keep a bigger perspective on life. Yeah. Some people in New Zealand need to get out more. No yeah. worries about that. <laughs> um, but uh, you know, you've, you've you've got to do that. But I think you know, keeping your feet on the ground, not being somebody that you're not. Yeah. And um, so. So I, I trust I am a secure person in God. Yeah. God has yeah. made me who I am today. Mm. Um, obviously, before I was saved, like everybody, I was a selfish person living for myself. Mm. But God had his, has his way of making us and yeah. molding us and shaping us. Mm. He hasn't finished with me yet. Mm. Even in our church, when we pioneered the church, I wasn't ready for it. Yeah. I mean, 30-odd years ago, I was very yeah. rough around the edges. Yeah. And the first yeah. 10 years was definitely more about God building me than the church. Yeah. His, yeah. Grace, uh, his grace was there, but uh, it's definitely more now about building the church as I said he hasn't finished with me yet but I hope and pray after you know after 40 odd years of walking with God you've got yeah. a couple of things figured out and yeah. you know you're a bit more mature than what you yeah. were when you started so yeah. I think you know help uh, give it letting people 
uh, have a go and making mistakes is all part of it yeah. and not being threatened by it not being scared scared from that if you don't let people have a go yeah. uh, you never you know one person isn't going to accomplish that much by themselves that's right mm-hmm. well that's brilliant so you know I hear that a lot you know that uh, a church grows basically by the God growing the pastor and the pastor has to allow yeah. God to grow them so in the first 10 years you know, you've, you said you're a kid from Taranaki, you moved to the Big Sticks, you know, yep. Auckland City. You've built an extraordinary church, extraordinary churches, you know, right throughout New Zealand. In those first 10 years where God is shaping you, it's obvious that you allowed God to to deal with what we all have is insecurity, especially in the ministry. I can't tell you how many times, Peter, I've personally struggled with, you know, even your prophetic word today is don't look to the left and the right and compare with how quick this other church is growing or what this other ministry is doing. Yet, you know, uh, it's it's only a secure leader that can raise up and release people. So, uh, you know, what what kind of things do you do to, to kind of stem that insecurity? Because you come across as a, as a man who... I, I, and I've known your ministry and I've seen your ministry over the years and all the great men and, and women that you've raised up, there, there's just, there just seems to be a wonderful security about, uh, around about you. And I, and I know that doesn't come naturally. And I know it couldn't come from a kid who goes from Taranaki to, to Auckland City and you've watched the flash in the pans, the guys who blow in, blow up and then you know fall apart. And yet you've kind of uh, stayed the course and you've run the race and you've been true to the call. What are some of the things, ways that you deal with insecurity and have, have built security in your life? Well, I think as we grow over the years, you know, we need and, and should mature, right? Unfortunately, a lot of people are adults, but they're still teenagers in their, in their behavior. And the Christian life is all about one of growth and maturity into Christ-likeness. That's, Jesus said, follow me and I will make you. And wow. so it's in the journey yeah. wow. there is a making. Mm. Um, unfortunately, some people won't yield to the disciplines of God and the discipleship of God. And so, you know, where they jump out or jump jump ship or whatever. Yeah. Uh, to me, it, a lot of people said, how... Um, how come your church and they may use the word successful now success is reaching your God given potential and I, yeah. I'm i not there yet yeah. but enough to say that uh, we, we've been blessed no two ways about it to a measure and I bring it back to the call of God Yeah, I think uh, you know unless you're called by God you want to stay out of the ministry yeah. it'll kill you yeah. Yeah. but uh, the call of God I could not do anything but what I'm doing today mm. and so the call of God has been there and the grace is wrapped up in that call to help me do what I do. And uh, I think that as as I've journeyed along, um, as I said, whether it's people around you or being in the right setting, positioning yourself for blessing, um, uh, in the right conferences and things like that, growing, listening to great podcasts like yours, yeah. all these kind of things help and add yeah. uh, to make us. And so we become more secure and we grow. I mean, it's so easy when you're young, you're starting out, every young buck, you know, you are, you can, you know, we all bleed red. We all, yeah. Yeah. we're all the same. A lot yeah. of people think I'm different, but but yeah. bottom line, people yeah. are people. Yeah. And uh, it's a bit of a lesson you learn. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I'm a grandfather now. I've got yeah. gra- six grandchildren. Yeah. So you grow and you mature 
and you it's like the young guy when he starts out I'm going to change the world you yeah. know and then as they mature but I'm going to change the nation yeah. then as they grow a little bit older I'm going to I'm going to change my city and then as they grow but I'm going to change my family and then he gets a bit older I'm going to change myself you wow. know? and it's wow. not that your That's vision shrinks wisdom. down yeah. it's not that at all I've got yeah. a heart for the nation yeah. and the yeah. world yeah. but you understand that yeah. hey Begins. you know you're not just a flesh in the pan you're not yeah. God's gift to the world yeah. you know Jesus yeah. is God's gift to the world and Beautiful. we've got to be focused on him Beautiful. and be faithful to him and mm. we are obviously uh, sons of God and servants as, as mm. Bev was sharing with us but enough to say that um, I think you know security just comes out of knowing who you are in God and uh, being content with where he's positioned you, yeah. where he's called you. I mean, sometimes I could look at you in San Diego and think, wow, what a city I want to be in San Diego. Yeah. Most people in yeah. life want to be someone else, somewhere else, wow. doing something else. Wow. And I find Christians wow. the same. They're always, yeah. unfortunately, they can get envious or jealous of others and yeah. so forth. Uh, we're in New Zealand. Now, New Zealand, yeah. of course, is like God's paradise, yeah. but it's so far removed from the rest yeah. of the world. You know, uh, most ministries, huge ministries are positioned mm. in countries like America and other mm. nations like mm. that. And so it'd be very easy for someone to say, but I'm secure. I know where I'm called. I'm not yeah. looking to go anywhere else. Yeah. I'm going to, I plan to finish strong yeah. where I am. Now you can't take God's call out of that equation. Yeah. But after 30 years, I know what I'm about. Yeah. If you haven't got to figure it figured out after 30 years, yeah. you better take a look in the mirror. Brilliant. Well, let's, let's just talk a little bit about that. Um, so you, you talked about the call of God, and in the call of God is the grace of God. So people out there listening to this podcast may that that may you know kind of spark some thought in their brain, thinking, okay, gosh, you know, I wonder what God has called you know me to. Did did you get that call while you were living in Taranaki to, to go to Auckland, or did you go to Auckland and then the call came? How, how did that call come to you? Because uh, what I'm hearing is the securities come out of the fact sure. that you've just rested in the call of God, knowing that if God's called you, He's also graced you. Would that, would that be right? Yeah, well, quite simply, and without sharing my whole story, uh, just being brought up in New Zealand, average Kiwi boy, although I couldn't speak to the age of seven. I couldn't speak uh, English at all. I just uh, spoke gibberish till five, and then five to seven, I stuttered so badly, right? So that was kind of like, but I was still just a normal Kiwi kid. I was brought up on a farm, rode horses, played rugby, swam, and all these things in, in a town of 3,000 people. And my dad, who was a successful businessman, he died when I was 12. And my sister took me along to a crusade, a guy was preaching, and when the altar call came, I found myself standing with tears coming down my eyes, and I knew that I knew that I knew that I was called to preach the gospel. I, I just knew I was called to preach the gospel. Now, I did not know what the gospel was. I didn't know what a preacher was. The only preacher I'd ever heard about was Billy Graham, because he just visited New Zealand. In fact, I went home and told my mum, who had, did read a Bible and prayed, but wasn't a Christian, as we know. I told her I became a Christian. She, she was very upset with me, wondered what I'd done, uh, because she didn't understand. But I knew I was called to preach the gospel. So I asked a Presbyterian minister how to become a minister. He was the only minister I knew in town. I said, how do I become a minister? He said, I had to go to university. Well, university from Stratford, a small town, back in the 50s, 60s, was like going to another planet. It was like going to Planet Strange. It didn't happen. And so everybody became a truck driver, a builder. A car. I became. I had 40 jobs by the time I was 20. I became all those things. And so I got him with the wrong crowd because he shattered my dream to some oh, degree. Gosh. Now, I'm not necessarily blaming him, yeah. but I, I just, he kind of shattered my dream. And, and um, I got him with the wrong crowd. They got him with me. I became quite a wild, misspent youth. You know, if you don't 
if you don't allow God to reach you when you're 12, he's going to have to rescue you when you're 21. Wow. We've got it the wrong way around, 12 and 21. The trouble is, of course, over those 12 to 21 years, these what the Western world calls teenage years, and as you know, Israel, Mm. they don't have them. Mm. Bar Mitzvah and you're an adult. Yeah. You sow so much seed and so much mindsets and lifestyle habits and strongholds in your life that it takes years to overcome. To be honest, Jürgen, I know there's no two ways about it. I am I am miles behind where God had for me. I mean, wow. I carry that. I carry wow. that. I still get quite overwhelmed when I think of yeah. where I should be and what I should yeah. be doing if I had not have wasted those years and yeah. allowed the devil stronghold in my yeah. life over those years. I'd yeah. be delivered of a whole lot of stuff. Wow. Now, people say, hey, wow. I identify with sinners because I'd be for, hey, Jesus never had to sin to identify with sinners. Wow, right? great point. So enough to say that... Um, into my life mm. and I always knew the call of God was there even even through my terrible years I would argue with people about God you know mm. and, and I knew the call of God was there and into my life walked a Presbyterian minister's daughter my wife of today she took me along to a little church a, you know charismatic church 40 odd people clapping and singing lifting up. I thought what a bunch of idiots she only did that at the pub you know and so I ran out of there and the story is true they were actually going to watch a Cliff Richard movie that night and I pulled over the projectors I ran out of sport the whole night but I knew they had something I didn't have. Wow. I knew they had the peace wow. of God. I was missing wow. it. I was wow. sick of the eating and drinking and bearing Mary. I knew there's more to life than, than waking up in the morning with a hangover. And I look up at the stars and I'd ask the big questions that everybody asks. You know, where am I going when I die? Where did we come from? Is there a God? I knew that God had called me to preach the gospel. So I gave my life back to the Lord. God filled the Holy Ghost, 21 years of age. But the call was still there. And I knew that if I couldn't beat the system, I'd join it. So I started selling as a career. God blessed my life. Every sales company I worked for, I went straight to the top. I became New Zealand's top new housing real estate salesman for six years running, making a lot of money. And, um, and, uh, but the call of God was there. I could not do anything else but preach the gospel. And so God just spoke to me about this continually, obviously, through my, uh, it was only 10 years uh, from coming back to the Lord that we pioneered the church at 30 years of age, wow. 31 years of age. Wow. So that call, and I, come, I bring it back to that call as a 12-year-old boy. Yeah, wow. I still recall wow. that call. I know that call. Mm. That call still moves me today. Yeah. And I say to some pastors, you know, were you called to do what you're not? Because if you're not called, wow, you best to get it. out of it or kill wow. Well, on that, on that, Peter, call always precedes price. And I can hear that in your, in your, in your testimony there. So talk a little bit out there, because there's a lot of people out there, again, listening, who say, yeah, I feel that God has called me to be an apostle. God has called me to be a, you know, a prophet. God has called me to be a worship leader. God has called me to be. God has called me to be. The Bible says that many are called, few are chosen. And I, I believe that the people who are chosen are the people who are willing to pay a price. So here you are, you're New Zealand's top you know, real estate, you know, sales guy making a lot of money, there must have come a price where, or a point where you had to pay a price where you had to leave all of that, no promises, no guarantees sure. to start your church or was it different? Did you have a, a multi-millionaire come and say, hey, we'll fund you? Hey, we all want those multi-millionaire guys, right? But uh, pioneers always pay a price and God orchestrates it that we pay a price. The truth I mean, is you're still paying a price uh, now and yeah, talk a little bit well, about that too. Of course, I mean, the whole Christian life is all about sacrifice yeah. and uh, but I, I do recall um, I never wanted to earn a living by the church. I mean, I felt that I could um, sell on the side and, and work and support myself. Um, and so that's what I started doing when God called me 
to plant the church and that was a, another distinct call it's like David's three anointings and I've had three definitely distinct times in my life where God has spoken mm-hmm. to me that you yeah. know that you know that you know yeah. and it's a little bit like Abraham a lot of people want God to speak to them all, all the time but they, those times where God spoke to Abraham yeah. there yeah. are years yeah. apart yeah. and a lot right. of people don't want to walk out those years yeah. you know? mm-hmm. and so um when when God uh, spoke to me about starting the church, I did, and I was still selling real estate on the side. But God just kept closing doors. If I had time to tell the story, amazing. God could open doors, close doors. I mean, I could tell you stories, but enough to say when God doesn't want you in something, He doesn't want you in something. Wow. And you can't fight against God. Wow. And so I thought I could, um, you know, sell. And I, and uh, well, the story after story. But enough to say, then I just started living off my own assets. I had two brand new cars. We sold those. I had a boat, sold that. Caravan, sold that. Started mortgaging my house, as you do, because I wouldn't I wouldn't draw an income from the church. And wow. we're now three years down the track. And, and uh, why was that? Was there like a, you just didn't want to be a burden on the church? Yeah, it was probably a pride thing, okay. a self-sufficient thing, an okay. independency thing, yeah, yeah. which is killing the church today. Yeah, it is. And, and so the thing is, is that... Um, uh, you know, as I was running out of uh, of my own uh, resources, and uh, amazing because the church was, you know, I, I guess we're about a hundred people, one hundred and fifty people, uh, which was quite yeah, good for back decent. then. That's decent, yeah. <laughs> but enough to say that um, you know there wasn't their level of support mm-hmm. that that one needed, and so. I can recall I started taking other jobs doing different things. I sold second-hand vacuum cleaners. I put things together. I bought second-hand cars, sold them, and all that kind of stuff. But but it got right down to this, Jürgen. You wouldn't believe this. Uh, here I was, New Zealand's top real estate, new housing salesman for six years running, making triple figures back. We're talking 30 no, years ago. No, I'm serious. And no. then this is true. I ended up cleaning toilets at Rangitoto no, College no. Uh, for $6 an hour. And I literally had my head down the toilet. I can still recall one day, head down the toilet thinking, what on earth am I doing? I mean, God, where are you in this? You it was know? like a prodigal son uh, moment. Well, Instead you know, of just, pig slop, you got your head in the toilet just, thinking, why you know, am I doing what are you this? Doing? But God was molding wow. me, shaped me. I yes, had a lot of things yeah. to work through, yeah. man. I'd come through quite a lot of my life. Yeah. I'd been around, you know, and so God was working and building yeah. character. And so talk about that cost, that sacrifice yeah. and so forth. If you get handed everything on a plate, a little bit like your yeah. son. If you buy your son a bicycle yeah. and, uh, you know, he'll leave it out in the rain. But if he's yeah. got to buy that bicycle himself, himself he'll put it away at night. So, yeah. so you know, there's uh, you learn in that cost. And, and um, I don't begrudge those years. They were building years and growing years. And, and uh, you know, I guess I came to terms with, with a few things. He who uh, preaches the gospel should earn his living by the gospel Brilliant. and so forth. And, and those principles uh, are in Scripture for a reason. Yeah. And the keys uh, in the kingdom. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I re- you know, it's so true that often it's so easy. I've had many opportunities over the years now to get involved in this, get involved in that, make, yeah. a, make a million dollars here, yeah. do this. Yeah. But, you know, one thing I do, the Apostle Paul says, and so yeah. I've endeavored to stay faithful and true. Good, man. And over the years, God has added... Uh, tremendous blessing into yeah. the church as yeah. in, in in New Zealand we had we took up in, in relation to our new building because you don't build those kind of buildings no, on not $10, $20 no, exactly. we're talking yeah. you know, $22 million building in wow. New Zealand and uh, we took up the largest uh, offering ever it was in Australasia at the time I think mm. it's now the largest offering in New Zealand ever 
uh, and God and it was all in cash, and God just uh, brought in millions of dollars. Yeah, and so God, if you know, I heard about that at the time. I heard <laughs> a lot about of people heard time. about it, which, it, it which went, was a miracle. It went, yeah, it went all over. Yeah. The, I think it, it yeah. was like a, a, a stone thrown into a pond. Right. The ripples went out. I mean, I remember hearing about it. I'm not going to mention how much money, but just yeah. just those. And the wonderful the thing land, is what huge. if God did it then, he did it once, He can do it again. That's right. He did it for me. He can do yeah. it for you. Exactly. And uh, that's you know, I'm looking for for more. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, on on that, Peter. Um, so you know, here's a kid at you're 12 years of age. Your father passes away, and uh, you know the whole whole world can fall apart for a young man. You made this brilliant statement just a moment ago that if if you you know if God can't reach you at 12, He's got to rescue you at 21. Uh, that's got to create a whole lot of you know a whole lot of issues. What what are because I look at you now. You're not just a great father to your kids and a great grandfather to your your grandchildren, but the comments that we've had this weekend of you coming into the house here is that, that you carry a father anointing. Now losing your father at twelve, that's you know from twelve onwards you didn't have a pattern, you didn't have a role model, you didn't have somebody in those big decisions and those big development years speaking into you what what has God done and what, what have you allowed God to do because you're a fantastic father you're a great leader you don't just lead but you your father how, how, talk about that talk about what, what what are some of those things well to be honest I, again I just really have to give God glory um, a little bit like I mentioned our church in relation to having that family aspect and that excellent aspect mm-hmm. and, and both being married not being legalistic but not being as loose as a goose and and um, I haven't I often say and, and I hope you take me around I am not a super intelligent some, some people you listen to and you think they're clever they're smart you know mm-hmm. and some leaders in the body of Christ today I think man they're, you know, they're good you know mm-hmm. um, but and so I haven't set out to to be a great leader necessarily as uh, God has blessed my life. Likewise, being a father, we all think we're going to be the best father on the planet. Yeah. Then we have kids and we realize, you know, yeah, we're not the perfect mistakes, dad that yeah. we that that we thought we we're going to be. Mm. Um, it is true that not having a dad, mm. uh, and of course, twelve is a is a dangerous age and a very uh, volatile age when mm. those sort of things, massive mm. things, happen. Mm. We all come from some form of dysfunction. I say mm. we live on a dysfunctional planet. Yeah, that's right. Um, and my mum brought us up on a widow benefits um, and so uh, you know it's true I didn't have I can't remember my dad to be honest he wasn't a, a Christian I don't know I don't know whether he was a good dad or a bad dad um, but enough to say that um, I think that I just had to l- grow and learn in Christendom mm-hmm. um, what a father is and you can ask my boys how good a father I am yeah. I mean they've said kind words about yeah. me but yeah. I'm sure that I've made yeah. a lot of mistakes and I've had yeah. to apologize to my boys mm-hmm. uh, many times yeah. and now of course having grandchildren that's the easy part yeah. you don't have to spoil them you, know? <laughs> you don't have to discipline them. and so it's a wonderful season and now I'm watching them be the fathers Wow. Uh, and th- I think they are better fathers than I am Okay. Um, they obviously probably are making a few mistakes sure. uh, I hope you hear it listening yeah. to this boys but yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, well, it was to me if I would never yeah. point that out no I'm just yeah. kidding so enough to say that um, again I didn't necessarily read books about it or, yeah. or learn about it uh, just God has just been very good to me Jürgen and that's a, but that's a bottom line I just well that's what keeps coming God across Peter is there's obviously like you know God reveals himself as our father yeah it's obvious Peter that there's just this wonderful pursuit of God in you and this this wonderful cleaving 
to God that's that's also in you. You know, uh, 90% of prison inmates come from father absent households. Mm. And even today, they say even in sure. families, you know, 48% of marriages end in divorce. And so father absenteeism is a huge thing. But even in homes where dad is at home these days, dad can be absent because he's grown up with dysfunction. He doesn't even know how to be a dad or he's you know busy at work or he's out with the boys or whatever. If someone was listening out there and they really feel like I'm 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 adrift on a sea without a compass, a, you know, a fatherly compass, because that's what a dad does, sets a course, sets a direction to help a child. Um, what advice would you give to somebody out there who's who's listening to this podcast, who's hearing your story, saying, Peter, you know, you lost your dad at twelve. You're, you're this extraordinary, great man of God. You got you know, fantastic children, fantastic grandchildren. You know, from the outside looking, you've enjoyed a reasonable amount of success. And I know that you know you're very gracious and saying, oh, you know, it's just the grace of God and it's the blessing of God. But out there, if someone's saying, Peter, give me something practical, what? You know, what can I do? Is it is it your prayer life? Is it just a dedication to the Word? Is it fellowship? What what, what can they do to to build that compass, to build that security, to get that, so that they can be maybe they come from divorce, and uh, and they they're thinking, you know what, I want to get married one day, and I want my kids to grow up not the way that I grew up, but with with pain of divorce. I want them to grow up with stability and security. What 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 advice would you shoot out right. to somebody? Well, I think Christianity. We a lot of people complicate it. Because um, some people are too intelligent for their own good, yeah. and and yet I think you know it, it, I think is so simple that a child can follow it. Yeah. And the basics of Christianity are very important. Obviously, prayer is important. Fellowship's important. Reading the Word. It's not a matter how much you pray and how much you word. It's not a matter of comparing and competing, because you know everybody probably should, myself included. Yeah. You know, be, pray more. Yeah. Pray more. Yeah. Um, but enough to say that is is. It's, I think um, I always say people need three three homes, right? Wow. The home that you go to home from work, the home yep. that you sleep in, yep. the home you pay your mortgage in, the home that you eat in, the home that you grow up in. Yeah. Uh, but you also need a spiritual home, a home that yep. you lift your hands in, wow. a home that you grow spiritually in, wow. a home that you pay your tithes in, yep. a home that you you know. Um, Get fed spiritually, yeah, yeah. and of course that home leads to the eternal home. Wow, you know the eternal home. Yeah. Everybody wants to go to heaven. Yeah, <laughs> nobody wants to die. And so, but we right. need that eternal home, that mansion, yeah. you know, yeah. in the sky. So we need three homes, but we also need three fathers. Wow. Three fathers. We need a. We've all got a natural dad. Mm-hmm. Uh, everybody came in the world the same way, mm-hmm. um, and so we have a natural dad. And unfortunately, as you say, so many are missing today. So much dysfunction around. But Jesus himself had a stepdad. Yeah, that's true. Moses was Brilliant. a basket case, but Brilliant. enough to say that that, that, that it's true that there that uh, you know some dad and some people have you know three or four just because of that dysfunction yeah and some people get messed up by their dad but we've all got a dad and the bible says to honor our parents yeah um and that's an important aspect yeah so we need it we have a natural dad we also need and understand we have an eternal father god's our father yeah and that was a big for me to to come to that revelation it came to revelation when i was at bible school because a lot of people love Jesus, but don't love God the Father because wow. of some dysfunction. And wow. I can remember a guy coming. He had a gifting and anointing to talk about the Father heart of God and the wow. fatherhood of God. And I can recall going forward for prayer and him wrapping his arms around me and something broke in my wow. heart. And I knew wow. that I knew that I knew that I came into a right relationship with God my Father. Wow. And uh, I knew the scripture that God would be the Father to the fatherless and wow. so forth. 
and in actual fact, even in relation to the word heart, it's interesting because uh, my great sorry, my, my grandfather died at forty-eight of a heart attack. My father died at forty-six of a heart attack. My brother's dead, but I knew that I was given a new heart. Praise and, God! Uh, in fact, the the doctor said to me because having been a person who's kept fit all my life, the doctor said to me, he said, one thing you'll never die of is a heart. He said, you got the heart of an ox. That's and, awesome. and that day, something spiritually wow. happened, but naturally happened. Wow. I felt I was given a new heart. Wow! And so. But the third father we all need, because we need we have a natural dad, we have a we have got our father. But just like three homes, we also need a spiritual dad. Wow! The apostle Paul said, "This is Timothy, yeah. my son." Yeah. Titus, you know, wow. even churches that yes. father. You yeah. Know? Yeah. And if people don't have a pastor, they're on the way to disaster. So we need wow. spiritual fathers. Great and he quote. said, "You you have, might have many teachers." And let's be honest, there are many teachers in the body of Christ today through television, podcasting, and all this. So true. Many teachers, but yeah. not many fathers. Yeah. And we need so not only do we need three homes we need three fathers and we all need a spiritual father or spiritual yeah. father people who were looking to people who were following yeah. people who who you know we, we can say hey they've gone ahead of us and paid a price and I, I don't know about you Jürgen but I am one who and I've often taught about them I've messages on them mm-hmm. uh, a lot of people say hey let's forget about them this is our day mm-hmm. they're dead now but mm-hmm. all the forefathers the martyrs mm-hmm. the people you know that have paid a price the yeah. Wesleys the Spurgeon the yeah. George Fox yeah. and yeah. John Knox and, mm-hmm. and, and even going way back yeah. to the Polycarp all these yeah. people yeah. they gave their life yes. for what you and I have today yeah. they shed blood yeah. we ride on their shoulders yeah. we, 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 we ride on their blessing yeah. and I never want to, the blessing to become the curse and I want to not only appreciate how far God has brought us yeah. but I want to make sure that I lay up a legacy yeah. so those coming behind me can ride on my shoulders so they yeah. can climb higher go further and accomplish more and i i'm just so thrilled that now i've been able to set a platform yeah uh, for my sons yeah. not only natural yeah. sons but sons in the lord yeah to minister from yeah and it's, it's really obvious and peter you know i remember in the early days listening to you preach you would actually get up and you're one of the few guys i heard you know honoring people like you know pastor peter morrow mm. who you know had an extraordinary work in sure. new zealand in the in mm. the 70s pastor rob wheeler pastor, pastor rob Brown. wheeler and and i would hear about you know you honoring them and so you know it's really obvious and i think i think that is absolutely fantastic i have two more quick questions mm-hmm. to ask you but that i think that's fantastic advice out there the uh you know you need a, a an earthly father a heavenly father but in between a spiritual father you said something today that was really fantastic too about um you know the pastor's job is more than just to love and care and so we, we, we've got people out there listening to this podcast who may come from dysfunctional homes broken homes whatever abusive homes they come into a church, and like you said, you, you made a comment just a moment ago. They come into church, but we all bring our dysfunction into our church. We all bring our perspective into church. And we like the pastor while he's fitting the, the mold that we want him to fit. I want him to encourage me. I want him to be my cheerleader. I want him to be the dad that I never had kind of thing. But as soon as there's a point of correction, and a father's mm. job is mm. to, to not just love, but <laughs> to love through correction, a lot of people tuck tail and run sure and we we run i think to our own demise and so what what advice would you give to someone who who's out there listening to a podcast who's saying well i went to church and the pastor challenged me about something and i got offended and i got hurt when we get offended when we get hurt we cut ourselves off what what advice would you say to that person about receiving correction sure well any person who's been in church for more than six months offense is going to come right 
I mean, the church is about God and people. Where there's people, there's problems. I mean, and uh, people offend people without even trying to. Yeah. Uh, sometimes, as a pastor, you're busy. You've mm. got your mind on the Word of God, or uh, that bit of paper on the floor, or mm. is, yeah. who's here today, and all yeah. that. Yeah. And you might walk past somebody without mm. saying hello, yeah. not realizing it. Next yeah. thing, that person's offended. <laughs> yeah. uh, I can recall a, a person in my church who, because uh, uh, names, you know, some people are real good with names. Yeah. I didn't have that gift, and mm. and this person. Um, told me their name mm. and I can remember the name and so I'd go hi mate you're, you know you're Nazi yeah. hi yeah. mate you know? yeah. and he'd correct me and give me his name and so um, cut the long I really tried hard with his name but he had one of those names that are pretty hard to remember as well so enough to say I really really tried hard to remember his name and occasionally I'd get it but most I wouldn't and I can recall one day he's coming towards me and I was trying oh, to think of his no. name you know I was like trying to think of his name trying to think of his name oh, no. and he came up and I put out my hand I went hi mate well that did it he left the church oh. got all upset sent dirty emails and so forth so forth now because if you're going to walk out of your destiny over something like that you're pretty small minded yeah. there's no two ways about that mm. names are important mm. but um, you know a good church belonging to a good church is more important and, and yeah. I can't be expected to know thousands of names no exactly um, Jesus had 12 mm. disciples mm. Mm. Um, but enough to say that uh, it, it is so important that that people don't run. They work, walk through, work through problems like a marriage. You don't yeah. run from problems. You don't divorce yeah. yourself. You don't take your life back. You you gave your life, and mm. the church is the same. It's a it's a marriage from the mm. point of view of the two becoming one, mm. and. Um, so when people get offended, I believe there's obviously grace here to forgive mm-hmm. uh, rather than take that offense. Because, if, you know, people get uh, offended, they become disappointed, they become disconnected, mm-hmm. and next thing they've left, left the church. Mm-hmm. And there are myriads of Christians around today that have been offended and left the church. And if, if you're offended, I say, if you've been hurt, join the queue. Yeah. Or join the line, I should yeah, say, yeah. here in America. Yeah. I mean, I know why people like working with the whales. People, whales will never offend you, but, wow. but people will. But wow. the pastor's yeah. job, you cannot preach. You cannot preach for for uh, 52 weeks of the year and not yeah. say something yeah. that, somebody's not get, that, that everybody's not going to get upset about. It's just yeah. part of life. Yeah. And if you didn't say it, they'll think you said it because yeah. they hear things that wow. you actually didn't even say. Wow. And, uh, and so um, the, it's, it's so important that people understand that when offense comes, there's forgiveness mm-hmm. to, to deal with that mm-hmm. offense. Mm-hmm. It's the person who picks up the offense. They don't get the grace. And that's wow. often the worst when, wow. when the person picks, picks up, up somebody else's offense. Mm-hmm. That's a whole not another, another issue. Peter, do you believe that offense is a choice? Oh, sure. People choose to get offended yeah. and, and they get hurt. And uh, so you can choose not to then. Sure, choose to forgive and choose yeah. to get over it. And if choose you choose to get if you choose to forgive, would you agree that that's how you grow? And that's that's the price of because a lot of people want a father, but it's like anything, people don't want to pay the price. And the price totally. is, you know, is listening. What what? I'm, See, I'm, a pastor's job description. Getting back to that question, which I never answered. I'm sorry, sorry but a pastor's job description yeah. is to encourage. Yeah, is to edify, but it's all in Ephesians. Also to rebuke. Right. Wow. I mean, it lays it yeah, out very it does, yeah. Now, today in our PC world, mm-hmm. in our nice world, mm-hmm. we don't want to rebuke too much because people we know uh, can take offense at that. And, and uh, because people wow. are so independent today, and independence wow. is killing the Western church, and people wow. aren't prepared wow. to, to give their total life to the church. Wow. Jesus didn't say, take up your pillow and follow me. He said, take up your cross. Wow. So there's a cost to wow. this Pentecost. But, but because we know that people are hard to get, there's yeah. no two ways about that. 
so we yeah. don't want to offend them. Yeah. We want to we want every, yeah. anybody and anybody, but some people are too expensive to keep, and some people wow. sitting there wow. will hurt your church wow. if they stay. Wow. But enough to say that when you do have to confront people, uh, as every pastor has to do somewhere along the line, and if you're not prepared to, yeah. then somebody will sit in your church for 10, 20 years and remain the same. Wow. And if they're a gossiper and a slander, they will, yeah. like a cancer, destroy your church. Wow. Um, and so, uh, you know, as a leader, um, and I talked about the difference between leader and pastor, yeah. the mercy yeah. gift and all yeah. that. Yeah. But enough to say, as a leader, a leader must lead. Yeah. You must call the hard shots. Wow. And unless you're prepared wow. to call the hard shots, you won't get people into the promises of wow. God. They'll stay in the wilderness. Wow. And they'll just keep going around wow. the same mountain. Wow. Peter, I mean, that is just unbelievable. That's just gold. Gold right Thank there. Thank you. Let, let, let me just, let me just, let me, I, I, I did say, and I, um, forgive me out there in podcast world, I want to, on that, really quickly, Give me, give me what what makes a person too expensive to lead, or what kind of people have you have you got like a list? Okay, this person's too expensive <laughs> to keep. This person's too expensive to keep. Like someone who's a gossip, or you tell me what 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 are your what what would your criteria this be out there? Because we've got a lot of leaders and a lot of pastors sure. who are listening to this. Mm. They may have somebody sitting there that looks like you know they're, they're valuable to them, but they may just be too expensive to keep. Sure. What what kind of list or criteria do you have for someone who might be too expensive to keep? Well, as I mentioned, you. Can can't put the grace line just behind you. You've got to remember how far you've come, how far I've come. And when a person comes in, a newborn believer, they're an infant, they're a baby. They're going to spit the dummy. They're going to miss their nappies. That's all part of Christian life. And you love people. You love people through their problems, through their situations and so forth. But, you know, as a, as a person sits under the word and uh, being there one, two, three, five years, mm. you know, there's got to be a bit of growth, a bit of maturity. Yeah. Fruit. Yeah. Fruit is yeah. the evidence of that yeah. growth, right? Yeah. And a person's in there 10 years. And if that person who's sitting in that church and gossip is, uh, you know, as the apostle put, complaining, moaning, mm-hmm. um, these are sins. That, you know, the church will deal, well, some churches will, deal with adultery. Uh, deal with uh, sins that Saul did. You know, mm-hmm. Saul, mm-hmm. Uh, you know, um, uh, sorry, David did, sorry, uh, yeah. adultery, uh, murder, mm-hmm. you, know, and, yeah. you know, all these things, right. major yeah. deals. Yeah. David was a man after God's own heart. He was wow. a given. Now, that doesn't wow. justify those sure. things. I'm just yeah. saying that. Saul never mm-hmm. murdered, never committed adultery that we know about, wow. but he was, in wow. his heart, had some wow. issues, yes. right? And uh, jealousy and all those yeah. things. He got taken out. Those things will kill people. Wow. Um, And so unless you're prepared to deal with them. So often the the sins of the heart are more destructive than the the other sins. Now, please, please, we don't want the church full of adulterers and obviously and and murderers and all that kind of stuff. But there's grace to forgive every sinner. And uh, but when people aren't prepared to deal, and you take gossip and complaining in the book of uh, Corinthians, chapter ten, it says the children of Israel complained in the wilderness. Thousands died. The serpent, safari serpent, right. and, and it's warning us as New Testament yeah, believers. Right. And it says, least you in Galatians, least you bite and devour one another. Wow. So often Christians are killing each other. Yeah. We don't need a devil. We're killing yeah. ourselves. Yeah. I mean. You know, and so the incredible thing is that gossip and slander will kill a church. No two ways about that. Yeah. Um, so like if you've got cancer. a guy who's who's there and he's always complaining, always, he's always complaining, always moaning, and too expensive. So how how, how do you yeah. confront? Oh, sure. You need to speak to them. Yeah. And obviously give them the opportunity to repent. I mean, you've got to take each case one on one. I don't think there's a textbook. Let, let's say you spoke with somebody, yeah. challenge them, 
no, no, oh, you know, maybe they said, oh, I'll change. But six months down the track, you have to speak to them again. How many times? I know, you know, Jesus talks about... No, of course, it's not me. It's my leader. (laughs) My elders, they'll do that for me. Good. So because I find if I have to confront a person, then their spirit is close to me. Okay. And so when I'm preaching, they're not receiving from me. Wow. It's like that sin of dishonor factor. Wow. Jesus could do no miracle. So you have your elders do that. Yes, because it cut the blessing off from heaven. That's a word right now, uh, people. Just hear that. So... uh, as a, as a really, really, I think, great wise. So, you know, you talk about intelligence before. Intelligence is different to wisdom. Intelligence is knowledge we've learned. Wisdom is something I think comes from God. And I think uh, Pastor Peter Mortlock just gave us an unbelievable nugget of wisdom right there. You have your elders, you have your, your key people that will address Not those things. Not every elder does it. Certain sure. people who've got yeah. you know, their prophetic, great yeah. gifting on their life. Yeah. And, so um, that people can receive from you. I think that's yeah. unbelievable. Otherwise, that's you close goals. the spirit down and, yeah. and they won't be able wow. to grow. Wow, and, and so we, over, over, I'm sure every church over uh, that length of time, because not everybody who walks in the door is going to yeah. be a blessing to you. Yeah, uh, I wish they were. I yeah. wish they were. I love yeah. people. I just yeah. wish everybody would yeah. grow and get on board. Yeah, but some people come to your church and they come in with their agenda. Yeah, they come in wanting even to promote their organization, their yeah. ministry, their That's gifting. Right. That's right. That's and right. Uh, or some people want to come in and tear down, and they're doing the devil's work. Nobody's got wow. the authority to pull down. We've only got authority to build. Wow. And so some people. You know, think that God's gift because they can find faults with you. Hey, <laughs> Will can find faults with us. I can look at the mirror yeah. myself. Yeah. But the thing is, is that people often um, they they want to come with their gender or so forth. And some people, uh, as you know, a church has got to have obviously what they believe, their DNA, yeah. their doctrine. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's important. And uh, sometimes people come and say, take water baptism, a simple mm. one, yeah. without being too controversy. Um, you know, uh, people don't believe in full immersion. So if they stand, go, want to run around everybody and say, well, I don't believe this, I don't believe this. And, I, and, and yeah. if they go through our gateway system and still come out there, I don't believe this, I, and, and want to cause problems over it. Yeah. Hey, they're best to go. go to a church where they don't Very believe good. in that. Very good. Um, so there's going to be mess a... somebody else's church up. You're not messing mine up. I've worked yeah, too good. hard for this. I've exactly. been labored for 30 years. For this. You're not good. going to destroy this church. And so I'm a, we're a little bit tougher now good. on this kind of thing than good. what we used to be. Yeah. Um, just because I've seen that if you leave it too long, yeah. it hurts you. And wow. they will take out good people. Wow. Yeah. So that's I think that's brilliant, Peter, hit, you know, hitting that on the head. If people don't buy into your DNA, DNA mm-hmm. your values, your vision... If people come with their own vision, like you talked about today, it becomes division, you know, which destroys anything, house divided. And then if they don't buy into your DNA, if they don't even speak your language, if they're coming in, they're speaking a different language, a different sound. Um, Peter, two more quick things I want to do. The uh, the last question I want to ask you is, many years ago, I was sitting in, uh, in uh, Totra Springs in New Zealand. Uh, you and, and beautiful Bev were ministering at our church family camp. And you said something that that actually set wheels in motion that really, I think, not only changed my life, but probably was the catalyst to begin to, anyway, go towards saving my marriage from uh, destruction just because of the toll that ministry was taken on on my relationship with Leanne. So we just crossed 20 years. And I probably haven't said thank you, but I need to say thank you. But <laughs> Peter, you, you got up and you just you really honoured your wife, which I hadn't seen in our in our denomination. Anybody honouring their wives, wives were just an accessory. 
that you you know switched out if it didn't work out and uh you know as you kind of went along and uh but you know you got up and you really honored your wife and you know she's a she's a very beautiful woman who carries a great anointing there's a confidence that comes out which really comes from the fact that she's you know she's led by by you know a great husband but i remember you got up and you said that every morning you would bring bev your beautiful wife a cappuccino in bed and all i can remember peter is sitting there thinking my gosh you know don't even go there Peter you've just said you know that's just opened a can of worms where does that end you know if I start doing that then my wife's going to expect you know to be taken to the salon and she's going to expect to get her hair done and she's going to expect Pete you've got to treat him mean keep him what are you doing you know I can't believe you let the cat out of the bag but honestly it set and I looked at my marriage and I thought you know it, it wasn't it wasn't healthy and then I looked at you and you were already you know a few years down the track and already had one of if not the greatest you know most influential church in New Zealand at that time one of the greatest churches in in the southern hemisphere but at the same time you had a great marriage and uh, and you know then God moved us and we were with uh, you know Phil and Christine Pringle and I saw many of the same things mm. you know set in place so talk to me about the cappuccino in the morning that <laughs> we've got young guys out there who yeah. are hearing the call of God or even maybe young young ladies who are listening to this podcast who, you know, maybe, maybe the husband's a bit of a chauvinist or he's just, you know, just kind of preaching the submit woman. The Bible says submit. <laughs> Your wife submits and she said today she submits because that's it's it's a devotion and a, and a gift that she feels that she gives. It's not a demand that you've wow. you've made of her. So talk, g- give some advice out here to the guys well, and to the gals. Sure. Well, of course, marriage is it's a whole nother issue, isn't it? They say marriage is like in a alarm clock you get a ring and then you wake up you know <laughs> and so when we got married I was, I was uh, 20 years of age Bev was 18 we weren't really ready for it and um, and uh, you know you walk down the aisle with stars in your eyes but um, as we all know about the honeymoon period that's why they call it the honeymoon period and uh, and so marriage I think to be honest is one of God's greatest ways to produce character in people if wow. they're prepared to work through wow. um, the situations because you know as yeah. iron sharpens iron yeah. nobody knows you better than, than your wife yeah. and so you know I've been through mm. uh, different seasons of my marriage and my mm. life and uh, no two ways about that all mm. I know if anybody's out there no matter how how bad mm. you think your marriage is I know personally mm. that God can make it better yeah and give you a great marriage wow um i've walked that walk and and um and so i in the early days praying for bev to change wow i needed my wife to change wow i mean i was i was okay it was her wow um i i hear that all the time every marriage is on the rocks that's what i hear every revelation that is me who need to change i can mm. only work on yeah, myself I that's can't right work exactly on and um when i first married bev uh, we when we went to um Bible school. She she was so shy. She would the day came to give our testimony. She would she would she actually <laughs> this sounds bad isn't it? she pretended to be sick so she didn't have to go and give a testimony. She would not stand and speak in front of anybody. She was so shy. You wouldn't believe it. Different look, woman look today. what I turned her into. Yeah. The best prophetic voice in oh New Zealand. The, the best incredible. woman preaching you know, incredible. I mean, she, so she's confident. Oh, yeah. Unbelievable. So so enough to say that um I guess, again, just learning some keys, listening to a few marriage seminars and all that kind of stuff. So I realized that I had to change. So I began to serve. And wow. part of that was taking that coffee in bed every morning. And I've done that, I guess, wow. over 30 years um, and uh, still doing it. 
In fact, this year I told my church, let's not occupy the same space as we did last year. Let's all Brilliant. go to a, another space in every Brilliant. area of our lives, whether Brilliant. it be exercise. Yes. Um, you know, I say people, some, some people's idea of exercise is take a bath, pull the plug, fight the current, you know. So some people, you know, because it's true, this is, this, I'll give you this thought, which is a fair comment. Yeah. Uh, you know, I've just yeah. read my Harley Davidson. Yes. I'm getting back yeah. to the marriage in a yeah. moment. Yeah. Read my Harley Davidson across yeah. America. I've ridden all my life and so if you go to a, a motorcycle class say, the question always comes up what do you do uh, when you're in a corner and you're going too fast and of course the answer is it's too late Right? Wow. you've got to slow down before the corner and so it's a little bit like health I find Christians if I ask for wow. hands up those who want to be healed the, the altar gets filled this is, this is sad that so many Christians are unhealthy now of course you know, a lot of us have eaten ourselves into yeah. ill health. Then yes, we yeah. expect a miracle. Yeah. But why don't we slow down before the corner? Wow. You know, why don't we do a bit of exercise? Wow. Or, wow. You know, exactly. Um, and, and so the thing is, is that it's a little bit like that with marriage. Yeah. It, the divorce doesn't happen overnight. It happens yeah. over a period of time. Wow. So much water goes under the bridge that the bridge yeah. gets stripped away. And yeah. that bridge often can't be rebuilt. Yeah. I know God can do yeah. a miracle, yeah. but let's slow down before the corner. Yeah. And so I said, let's all go to a different, le- let's not occupy the same space as we mm. did last year. So I, I in, in relation to, to Bev and my marriage and the cappuccino, I now take a breakfast as well, but a yogurt and muesli as well. And she's not a big breakfast person, but yeah. uh, I've chosen to do that as well as a cappuccino just to go to another level. Mm. And, uh, and of course, that's, I mean, that's only a very small way um, I mean, she does great things for me, and I do great things for her. We're obviously lovers and friends, and everything else That's that fantastic. goes with marriage. And I remember, in fact, David McCracken prophesied once over our lives. He said to me, because to me it was in the early days, I was a man of God, I was a call of God, I had the call of God, um, and so forth, so forth. And uh, he said to me that my greatest strength is in my side, talking about wow. that. And I hear that. It t- it's taken me a long while mm. to learn that mm. from the point of view that I know that our church, no two ways about today, would not be, I won't even say, it wouldn't even be there if it wasn't for Bev. Wow. When I was so messed up and struggling to work out this whole Christian life, it was her that prayed for me. It was wow. her that stood for me in the gap. Wow. You know? wow. I'm eternally grateful for her faith. Wow. Uh, she walked into my life, and I nearly destroyed her. Wow! But enough to say that she, uh, if it wasn't for her, our church mm. would obviously, mm. our boys, mm. um, would not be who they are today mm. if it wasn't for her. Mm. So I'm grateful for God's gift that He's He's graced me with a wonderful wife, and um, I'm trying to be, you know, a good husband. Well, you're, to her. you're doing a fantastic hey, job, Peter. Thank you. Just just on that, um, Peter. Uh, you know, you look after tens of thousands of people. And, uh, uh, you know, some people that I've heard, well, they're just too busy. You know, I, I just don't have the time. I don't have the time. Time's never found. It's always made. And, uh, you know, I just want to echo what uh, Pastor Peter Mortlock has shared with us, that if you're, if you're in a bad marriage, and, uh, and I think when we left New Zealand and moved back to Australia, you know, I honestly believe our marriage was hanging by a thread. 
And the truth is, what I what I took from New Zealand to Australia that I that I saw echoed in Phil and Christine Pringle mm. was a serving of one another that I'd never seen. Sure. I thought, as a Assemblies of God credential minister, my job was to lead my wife, <laughs> expect of my wife, demand of my wife. But you really set the wheels in motion that you can actually serve your way to a healthy marriage. Mm. And the cappuccino, I think, is is just indicative. You know, we we all know that coffee. Is, is the sweet nectar of heaven. So you make her the queen, she'll make you the king. So you know. Yeah, I, I think I'm not that's what you said. Ulterior motives here. Yeah. I'm just saying that. that Come works, on, that works. you said that. That was what you yeah. said. If you make her the queen, she'll make you the king. That was brilliant, Peter. You said before, and it was again very another one of those really gracious throwaway comments. You know that uh, your facility, and I've been to your facility when it was in the phase one stage before you did all the the extra development, and I was blown away. It was easily by far the best facility that I've seen in New Zealand. It's only gone. New and That's improved. the old facility. That's now. the old one, yeah. And that was before, you know, over, over the road here. Um, you said before, you know, it was the grace of God, grace of God, very humble. And uh, But I remember Pastor Phil made a comment, you know, where somebody walked into Oxford Falls, and it's a great facility mm-hmm. as well, and they said, oh, wow, God has really blessed you. God has really blessed you. Wow, God has really blessed you. And he says, yeah, yeah, you know, but we had a little bit to do with it. Yeah, sure. You should have seen it when God had it by himself. You know, it was just a chicken <laughs> farm. And uh, and I know, Peter, you know, yeah. that uh, that what you've built has come out of, number one, your great leadership. You're a really great leader. You're a great communicator. You've got great wisdom. The way you serve your wife, I think, comes out of a real uh, humble heart. The way that people out there could catch that is go along. You run a conference called Global yeah. Impact. T- tell us a little bit, a, a bit about Global Impact. What, what are the dates and... Uh, you know how can how can people find out sure. more about it? Well, I appreciate that, and and I, I, I do obviously when I say it's the grace of God, I'm not trying to be over spiritual or yeah. over humble about it. I just thank God for everything He's done. Mm. There's no two ways about it. I have worked very hard over mm. these years, mm. and continue to do so, and will continue to do so. We're mm. called to be co-laborers, yeah. and I often say to pastors, "Your church isn't growing because you're too lazy. Mm. People want to take days off and all yeah. this kind of stuff." And, yeah. and you know, I, I work public holidays. I mean, yeah. you know, wow. I mean, and so you got to work hard to make it work. Yeah. What you put into something is what you get out of it. Yeah. It's like. A yeah. marriage, yeah, and so good. the ministry is the same. And so, yes, we do have a uh, annual conference, Global Impact, and it's been a great conference. It's a, obviously one of the larger church conferences in New Zealand. That's right, and uh, it's very much uh, you know for pastors and leaders and mm-hmm. Christians uh, to encourage them and help to grab some keys and mm-hmm. uh, helping their churches grow and so forth. We have wonderful speakers like Dr. A. Bernard and and what Jensen Franklin, all these wow. wonderful wow. people wow. graced uh, and. Yeah. and come down it's in July and um, I don't have the date right on me I should okay. have shouldn't I sorry um, what's so, the website people can go to www.cityimpactchurch.com and click on click on conferences and click it's going to come up yeah whether it's up for the next year's conference year yep. it probably should be yep. enough to say everything will be there and uh, it is definitely one of the highlights of the year for us our conference uh, I have to say for two years we actually uh, stopped running it um, purely because we did this new church plant and I just 
you know, sometimes you can just do things for the sake of doing them. Wow. And I want to do, uh, it's another story, but I just, but it's being relaunched this year. It's this tw- 12th year. And uh, it's going to be a whole new dimension, a whole, you know, and people have come away just absolutely like, I mean, there's some great conferences around the place. But what we did is, we, we, we did, so I'll just put this out. We did something a little different. And this is not to belittle or begrudge any other conference, right? But we decided to make it right from the beginning, 12 years ago, a complimentary conference. In other words, wow. it was free to come to, right? Wow. And, of course, we would be bringing out speakers, a lot yeah, from America huge. and so forth. So you have a $150,000 budget to start with. and um, But we did it free. Uh, and uh, the amazing thing is, it might have been, been free, but it wasn't, wasn't cheap. But the incredible thing, I'll just put this out there, is each year we have come on the right side of the ledger. I've known pastors who charge, wow. uh, you yeah, know, and, door, leg, door yeah. and and come out on the wrong side. Wow. So again, it was just something we did. I just wanted wow. to bless pastors. Wow. I just wanted to sow into them. Wow. Uh, particularly, you know, pastoring small churches, sometimes yeah. they can't afford yeah. these things. And yeah. to, let them be exposed to some of the great preachers of the world. Uh, Pastor Phil Pringle's been there. I mean, yeah. all these guys, yeah. wonderful people. Um, and, uh, you know, to expose them and uh, not for them having to figure, hey, can I afford to go? Right. So That's check incredible. it out on the website. So you can be an international person. You can live in the United States of America, Canada, South America, England, Europe, and get to this conference. It's complimentary to go, which is unbelievable. But I'm telling you, you will be impacted. Pastor Peter, we've just so appreciated your ministry this weekend. And I'll just say that on yeah. that. It's not, obviously, and you hear this at great conference, yeah. it's not just the speakers that come. When people come, they catch the DNA. The, the spirit, they catch, they yeah. catch something in the house, yeah. and they go, wow. you know. Yeah. And that's what our heart is to do. Yeah. It's just to help other yeah. people. Yeah. And it's very, very, very evident. More's caught than taught. So there you have it. You know, uh, we could have gone for, I felt like I've had to skim the surface, Peter. We could have literally done this podcast for three hours. I'm hoping we're going to get you back, uh, that if we invite you, you will come back and uh, we'll do another podcast then. Just felt like we touched the surface. Thank you so much. Fantastic job. Appreciate the time and appreciate people listening. All right. God bless you out there in podcast land. Get along to that. Get along to those websites. Get along to Global Impact Conference. Extraordinary stuff. God bless you. Thanks for listening to today's message. To find out more about C3 San Diego, go to C3SanDiego.com.